I'm gonna do a series of messages called Power Up. Somebody say Power Up. Power up. And I wanna talk to you on this idea of formed and filled up for life. Take out your Bibles at all of our locations. Go to Genesis chapter one. Can someone here in the front row just hand me your notes for a second, that note page? Thanks so much. What's your name? Amari. Hi, hi, Amari. Awesome, thank you. Take out your notes, they look like this. I just stole them from somebody named Amari. And uh, I'll give them back, here you go, at all locations. If you don't have the notes at locations, or if you are online, you can go to waterschurch.guide. It looks like that. Now you'll see here for North Attleboro, and I think for Apollo Beach, what's happening, there is Financial Peace University. If you wanna get your money in order, and, and, and husbands and wives, if you wanna stop arguing about money, take financial peace. So that starts this Tuesday here in North Attleboro. I don't know, check the date about when it starts in Apollo Beach, not quite sure, but that is available to you to help you and empower you, give you the power that you need to rule your finances and not let your finances rule you. So to this Tuesday is a, the first class is always a preview and you don't have to go further than that, but just check it out. I encourage it highly. So power up, part one, Genesis chapter one, and the title of the message is Formed and Filled Up for Life. Our world is in a power crisis. I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, watching the news. Lots of debate, argument, tension, stress about power. Californians have been through this horrible heat wave and and the funny thing is, is that while their governor is telling them no more gas-powered cars, only electric in the future, they're also telling them to stop charging their electric cars to save power. So it's kind of ironic that that's happening, but nonetheless, there's a, there's a need for power. There's a stress on our lives in this age for power. So Californians are dealing with, a few years back, Texans, I don't know if you remember when Texas was going through a terrible winter, something happened in the cosmos and God sent New England's winter to Texas. And so they didn't have the power grid necessary, the, the heating capacity to take care of that problem. They quickly realized how much they needed power. And right now, and I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but Europe is freaking out over power. Their uh, utility bills have tripled, quadrupled, quintupled in some cases. Uh, people are getting bills for electricity. It used to be 300 a month. Now it's like 3,000 a month in whatever, whatever you know, monetary system they use. Um, the prime minister of, of England just capped everybody's utility bill at 2,500 pounds for the whole year. And, and, and so the government's gonna pay for the rest of their power. Like there's a power problem in our world. Russia just said that they're gonna cut off Nord Stream 2, the gas, the gas line to Europe, until the European countries stop sanctioning Russia over their efforts to occupy Ukraine. And, and then here in this country, there's left and right arguments about everything. And so there's left and right arguments about power. What are we gonna do with power now, power in the future? Get off of fossil fuels, get onto renewable energies. And how are we gonna make that happen? And how are we gonna advance in the future? Because here's what we all know. We need power. And what's powering us today may not be here tomorrow. Let me talk about you. Individually, you need 
power. Now, I'm a big believer that the physical speaks to the spiritual. So this is all throughout the Bible, that when Jesus talks about the Word of God, he compares it to bread. He says it's like eating food. That's, that the Bible's like eating food in your spiritual life, that if you want a strong body, you eat bread. You eat to strengthen your body. But if you want a strong spirit, you eat the bread of life, the Word of God. Can I get a good amen in all locations right there? I've got nothing to say to you outside of what God has revealed in his word. That's all I've got. I've got the word of God. I'm not up here to talk about social issues, politics, and all that kind of stuff. That will kind of get touched on. But primarily, we're here to talk about the living, abiding, never-changing, inalterable, life-giving word of the living God. If you get this word in you, you'll get power in your life. Your body is a power cell. I don't know if you understand that, but right now, every moment that you're alive, you are emitting power. Right now, you're emitting power in, in uh, measurements of heat. I don't know if you understand this, but uh, every hour, you emit 58 watts of heat. Every hour. That's why when you get into a big room, it's important to have nice, powerful air conditionings so that when, when people get next to you, they don't fry you up. Amen. That might be what hell is. Everybody's just so close to each other, we're all just burning each other up. That's probably what it is. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you're a power system. Now, now, I was doing some research about this. You, you've got to be careful to understand how your physical body operates. Your three main power structures in your body, did you know what they are? They are the brain, the lungs, and the heart. These are the three organs that provide power to your body. But every one of those organs is made up of cells, and those cells bring power to the organs, which bring power to your body. But even in the cells, scientists have discovered that there is something called the mitochondrial structure. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> mitochondrial structures are the parts of your cell that take your food, your what you put in, and turn it into either positive, good energy, or bad energy. And there is this explosive amount of dietary research going on that also is tied to your genetics, so your ancestry, on what you should eat for your mitochondrials that have been shaped through hundreds of years of ancestry that will bring good power to your life. So for some people, you better be eating vegetables because it's in your DNA and, and ancestry. And so veggie diets, vegan diets, good for you. For the rest of us normal people, <laughs> I want me some beef, hallelujah. I want some steak and ribs and, you know, maybe not pork ribs, beef ribs, but nonetheless, we, we need to do a lot of research now. And I like this because I like my body functioning at peak capacity. And so they've done all this study about what will feed your mitochondrials, which will feed your cells, which will feed your organs, which will feed your body. And wouldn't you know that the thing that won't do the best for you is not McDonald's. I didn't know that. That's sad to hear. You actually need to eat right. Now, I, I imagine that no one came in here amped up to learn about mitochondrials today. And you're probably wondering, why is my pastor talking about that? Well, here's why. Because sometimes it's the little things that we don't know 
that once we know can change all things. If you ignore your mitochondrials, you suffer. If you ignore what they need, you suffer. Here's the deal. I believe what's in this physical speaks to the spiritual. If you ignore what's in your spiritual mitochondrials, you're gonna suffer. You're not gonna have the energy God wants for you. And I, I'm a big believer in being empowered for Christ. I want you, I want us not to, not to feel the weight of sin on your shoulders, on your back. Some of you are walking through life with guilt all up in here. You got a backpack full of guilt. It's not even one of those normal backpacks from Target. It's one of those army-issued, military, marine-issued backpacks that go from up here to down here, and you've carried your guilt through your life, and you're always hunched over in guilt and in shame. And some of you are carrying hurts from the past and what your parents did and what your brother did and what somebody in high school did or what an ex spouse did and you're just carrying your backpack full of pain and you got all these problems and some of you got physical ailments and you can't walk as you used to and you can't talk as you used to and you can't remember things like you used to and you've bought into the lie that the older you get the worse it gets that's true for the non-christian but for the god-fearing jesus loving christian it gets better with age jesus saves the best wine for last i'm speaking as somebody who just had a birthday hallelujah I'm excited about getting better. But this is the thing, you need to get some strength in your life or you'll get destroyed by all the conflict and worries and stresses and hurts and pains of your life. That's what this series is about. We're gonna look at seven, six, seven things, something somewhere in there, <laughs> from the scriptures that give us power. And the first thing that gives us power is the word of God. Let's stand for the reading of God's word at all of our locations. If you're new to our South Coast location, this is what we do every week. We stand to read God's word because when we read this book, we are not reading the words of men, but the words of the Almighty God. Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Somebody say, without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be light. Next, very next line, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated, somebody say separated. separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak to your people. Speak through me. Forgive your servant his sins. There are many, Lord. Thank you for the grace that brings us together. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Thank you for the word that inspires, transforms, and changes us. May we hear your voice and may we see Jesus, him and him only. In his mighty name we pray and everybody said, amen. amen. At all locations, God bless you, have a seat. I don't know if you're like me, but in my house, there is a constant battle for power. <laughs> uh, we've got several devices, we're a family of five. We've got several devices, watches, 
iPads, phones, and then all kinds of other things that have to get charged. Uh, and I am a constant victim of my family stealing my charging cables. I live with thieves, ladies and gentlemen. And what they do, they'll steal mine, but they'll, I swear they do this, I I've gotta get it on video, but they'll replace my cables with other ones just to look like they didn't steal it. And then I'll go to the cable and I'll like, you ever, anybody ever do this? You see the white cable, you think, ah, I found power, okay. And you get all excited, you walk up to the cable and you do the little thing where you come to the end of the cable, wrong end! Anybody ever do that? Like, oh, isn't, that's not a lightning, that's a USB-C piece of junk, you know, you throw it away. That's not gonna do, look, you gotta have the right connection. If you're gonna get power to your devices, in your life, you gotta have the right connection. Now, how, is God, how has God made us to connect? How do we connect? Through speech, through talking. We say people, it's just interpersonal, it doesn't have to be Christian. We connect to each other by talking to, hi, my name is, so, right, well, hi, nice to meet you. Speech is a connector. Right from the very first page of the Bible, God is telling us something about how we connect to him. He speaks and we hear. That's God speaking to us. And if you ever want God to speak to you, all you gotta do is open the Bible. And it's, so, it's such a privilege to be able to do that. The God of the universe wants to speak to you. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I have a hard time receiving or understanding the Bible. Okay, if you're in a part of the Bible you don't understand, just move on. Go to another part. Go to the New Testament. Primarily, go to the New Testament, right? And get yourself some modern version translation. I'm not one of these guys where you gotta go only to the King James or only to the ESV. I'm a guy that, man, whatever it takes to get you to hear God's word, do it. Because it will bring power. It's your connection to the one who created you, the one who formed you. The very first verse of the Bible reminds us that no one is here without God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What an opening. What a, what a start to a story. It doesn't get much bigger than that. God, the biggest creator, heavens and earth, everything we could ever see or ask or receive. And it all starts with God. And then I love what Colossians says about it, unpacking this text a little bit more. Colossians chapter 116, Paul says, for by him all things were created, whether they're in heaven or on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And look at the last two words, for him, even bigger to understand. I'm not just created by God, I'm created for God. Oh, I love that. What are you here for? You are here for God. Young people going to college, you think you're gonna be an engineer or a nurse or something. Yes, that's what you do, but you do that for God. If you're teaching in our public schools, God bless you. You are there for God. If you're a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, a janitor, it doesn't matter what you, you are here, not for yourself, but you are here to bring glory to Almighty God. That's your life, that's what you're here for. God created you 
for himself. Listen to me, worst sinner among us. Where are you? I, I know you're here somewhere. You might feel unworthy. Can I tell you, God can make you worthy. And he wants to bring you back to himself. He started you. Now here's the truth. I want you to write this down in your notes. What starts you sustains you. What starts you sustains you. You don't take diesel fuel and put it in a gas engine. Okay? You, don't, you don't put gas in a diesel engine. You, you, gotta, you gotta know what feeds your spirit and give your spirit more of that. And what started you sustained. God started you. Now you may have gone off track, you may have gone wrong, you may have made a lot of mistakes and, and sinned and, and, and angered the Holy Spirit and ruined a bunch of relationships, but can I tell you that the same God who started you can find you and restore you to his original intention. In fact, that's what's happening right now. The original intention of this book is God and man dwelling together. And that's how it starts. And guess what? If you read the book of Revelation, that's how it ends. God and man living together in a new heavens and a new earth. No sin, no shame, no tears, no crying, no COVID. Hallelujah. That's how it ends. So this is, this is what God is up to. And if you want to get power in your life, you've got to get connected to the author of life. Now look at what it says here in verse 2. It says, the earth was without form and void. That without form and void phrase is a descriptor of all created matter before the word of God comes to it. God has not said anything yet. Verse three says, and God said, but verse two says, this was the state of the created things before God started to speak to it. I want you to see this because it's important. Now the word without form and void in Hebrew is tuhu wabuhu. <laughs> I only share that because it is so fun to say tuhu wabuhu. I talked to somebody in the office and I said, hey, tuhu wabuhu. They thought I was talking pig Latin. It's, it's Hebrew for without form and void. Tuhu wabuhu. Come on, everybody at all locations, say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Tuhu. Yeah, yeah, just turn your name and say, hey, without God, you are too hoo wa boo hoo huh? That's who you are without God. <laughs> I love it. So with your Bibles open, look with me again at verse one, two, and three. Verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And verse two, the earth was too hoo wa boo hoo And darkness, and the spirit, but the spirit was there. And verse three, and what? And God said. So God's word is the means by which tuhu wabuhu becomes no longer tuhu wabuhu. God's word is the means by which you are no longer formless and empty. Did you hear that? The thing that you need to bring form, shape, and fullness to your life is God's word, formed and filled for life. My son brought this out um, yesterday. I forgot that I bought him. Does anybody, I bought him this a couple years ago. Anybody know what this is? Anybody know? What is it? It's a balloon. 
Yeah, yeah. Can I do anything really with this balloon except tie it up in knots? No. No, but, but listen, this is the cool thing. Can I get that spe- uh, mic stand out here? Stage hand friend, thank you so much. I'm gonna try this, I didn't practice it much. If you get yourself an air supply for the sucker, watch this. That's God's word going into you. But I'll leave that there just in case this goes poorly. And then God just kind of like seals you in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's what the scripture says. He seals us in the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. Here we go. Now God's got something to work with. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. And now God can start to take your life and make you something worth seeing, make you something worth having, make you something all the people can say, that's pretty cool. You were just flopping in the wind a few years ago, but now... the dogs out. Ooh, ooh. All right, all right, stop that. <laughs> Tohu wabohu. Okay. That is what God's word does to you. It fills you so God can form you. Otherwise, otherwise, this is all you are. So, so, the, do you need the word of God? You need, the, you don't need to binge watch friends again. Or the office, you, you need the word of God. Some of you got relationships jacked up, but all you've let come in is friends. You, you need the word of God. You need truth that will put you together. So point one, God's word puts me together. Write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. God's word puts me together. This is how God has chosen to open up the text. This is how God starts everything. I speak and things happen. I speak and things happen. I speak, light comes into existence. I speak and I declare what things are. Did you see? He called the light day. He called the darkness night. And then he separated the night from the day. That's what God does. He speaks and things start to happen in our lives. It's amazing to this day when I preach from this stage and I've preached for 20 plus years, it is amazing to this day that two people can come into the room where I'm preaching and they can sit and hear the same words and one person walks away offended and another person walks away totally changed. Because the word of God does that. It separates, it fills, it forms. So I wanna give you uh, some points underneath this point about... God's word putting you together. Number, letter A, receiving God's word forms my faith. If you want faith, get God's word in you. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Go back to the point, guys. Letter A, receiving God's word forms my faith. You need, you need to put the word of God in if you're gonna believe God's word. It's like, it's like a letter somebody leaves you. I will be back in town in three weeks and you're not gonna show up at the airport unless you believe what you've read in the text. 
You got to read God's word to remember that God, Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm going to go up into heaven and I'm going to rule and reign from there, but I'm coming back again. See, there's a lot of people who aren't going to be ready. The scripture says there's five virgins who are foolish and five virgins who are wise. Half the church is not going to be ready for the return of Christ. You know why? Because they stopped reading the letter that Jesus sent them. I'm going away for a while, but I'm coming back. Get ready because the world's going to change. I want you ready for my coming. This is, this is the end of the, that we're looking for forward to and it will give you faith when you don't see it and sometimes it'll give you faith when you see the nations raging and you see the crazy of our country and you see the wars and the rumors of wars and you realize that what Jesus said is a hundred percent true because I read the letter he sent me plagues and pestilences and famines and droughts and war and weather changes and all this stuff they call it climate change I call it Jesus's warm-up acts He's coming back again. I love what 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, you from childhood have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What are those? Those are the scriptures, which are able. I love that. The sacred writings are able. Underline able in your notes. They are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. God's word makes, God's word makes us able to understand salvation and faith. How do I come to, how many people I've heard their story telling me that all they did was they just started reading the Bible and before they knew it, they were changed. So some of you are living with darkness all around your life. The scripture says this is a light. You wanna get, want get light in your life? You wanna get light scattering the dark areas of your life? Get yourself this word. Start reading it, start listening to it, putting it in. Number, letter B, receiving God's word reforms my body. Let's go to letter B, receiving God's word reforms my body. It fixes your body, I, it does. Um, there's a fantastic book you should get a hold of. I've talked about it on my YouTube channel several times. It's called None of These Diseases. Is it from a text in Deuteronomy about how, how God, before the Israelites go into the land, he says, listen, if you listen to my word, none of the diseases that have plagued all these nations shall touch you. And so the book is called None of These Diseases because listen, life without God will lead to disease and disrepair in your body. Ever realize that God gave his people a diet, that he gave them a physical diet. That diet was no shellfish, no pork, no all that stuff, right? And it was specific for them because I think that God knew what their genealogical makeup was and what was perfect for their bodies. And then he also wanted them to be distinct and separate from the nations that ate all those foods. So, so God gave them a physical diet because the word of God will help you live healthy. And in that book, None of These Diseases, it talks about the, the diseases that are caused by drunkenness. Diseases that are caused by smoking, diseases that are caused by sex outside of marriage as God defines between one man and one woman. And, and now we got monkeypox and people wanna figure out how do we solve the problem? Why is the problem there? Oh, we don't wanna talk about that. No, no, we just want the government to fix it. No, no, why is the problem there? There's an issue, there's a problem, something's causing it. Now you can dance around the issue as a politician all you want, but there's a fact of the matter is, is that if we treat our bodies improperly, our bodies will rebel accordingly. 
And, and then all about the science of overeating. And, 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 and now, isn't it amazing how our country is all about this? Don't fat shame people. Don't fat shame. That's fat shame. Don't be a fat shame. Like, seriously, we don't want to tell anybody that maybe they should take care of their bodies? Like, that's where we're at now? This is not, this is not fat shaming. This is helpful. I, if I have cancer, I don't want the doctor saying, well, you, you got something. I just don't want to cancer shame you. Like, no, tell me the real problem. But we live in a culture that is so devoid of truth, so empty of truth, that they will eat the lie like it's going out of style. God's, God's word will reform your body. Uh, Psalm 107.20, he sent out his word and healed them. His word came and he healed their body. Or how about Psalm 119.50? This is the comfort in my affliction that your promise, the word of God, your promise gives me life. Jesus saw a woman in the synagogue. She was hunched over. She couldn't straighten up. The doctors would have come along and said spina bifida or uh, osteoporosis or, or whatever. They would have had a diagnosis. They can diagnose, but they can't deliver. God's word delivers people from the diagnosis. God's word is stronger than the cancer, stronger than the bone problem, stronger than the mental problem. Some of you got mental illness, mental illness. And sometimes I think that you just use those phrases to give you an excuse to act stupid. But the truth is there is such a thing as mental illness. And God's word is stronger than your brain. It can reform your mind so that your brain is not struck down by anxiety and worry and consternation. But your brain is rooted in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The older people I know that are healthy and strong in their body. They're people who love the word of God. They're people who honor God and serve others because that's what God's word says. You can either serve yourself or serve others. I got a picture here. I wanna put two people up on the screen. One of them made news this week. One of these people is not like the other. We all know the person on the right. That's Queen Elizabeth II. May God rest her soul in peace. She, I do believe, is with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right now. This is, this is a woman, 96 years old. I would like to look like that at 96. <laughs> On the other side is Mick Jagger. Yeah, time is not on his side. On the right, is a woman who said at the age of 21, quote, put the next picture up, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. This is a woman who said, I hope that Jesus Christ comes back in my lifetime so that I can cast my crown at his feet. This is a woman who said, billions of people across the world follow the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am one of them. And I don't know if we're ever gonna get someone like that again on the throne of England. The guy on the left said, quote, next picture, I can't get no satisfaction. And he tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried. So which one of you, which one of these two looks more like toohoo-wa-boo-hoo to you? <laughs> How do you wanna look when you're older? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. 
All right, letter C. Receiving God's word informs my mind. Receiving God's word informs my mind. What are you learning today? Not everything that you learn is worth learning. Gender studies majors. <laughs> I don't know why I always have to slip into those things. I'm sorry. So, Psalm 119.98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Ooh, I want that promise. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. You want to be smarter than the people in your office? Get a hold of God's word. You want to be the smartest business owner in your, in your, in your division, in your, in your locale? Get a hold of God's word and then pump your employees full of it. I, you know, you might have to do it like secretly, but you can do it. You, you, wanna, you, wanna, you might not be able to get valedictorian because of the way that the education system is working right now. Uh, but, but if you want to be smarter than the people who designate who's valedictorian, get a hold of God's word. Because who cares if they think you're stupid? The Bible says that God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. And I love this. Uh, receiving God's word informs my mind. Letter D, receiving God's word transforms my habits. Every word is a form. Forms my faith, reforms my body, uh, informs my mind, and transforms my habits. How are you being formed? Psalm 119, 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you have the word up in here? I guarantee you, to the level that you have memorized and ingested and internalized and meditated upon the word of God, that's the level of victory that you're having over sin and temptation in your life. You need to have more word to have more power in the face of temptation. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he didn't bring a Bible with him, did he? He went out into the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him and he said, don't you think you're worthy enough of turning these stones into bread? If you're the son of God, you're hungry, feed yourself, serve yourself. And he said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. And then he brought him to the temple. He said, hey, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down because the Bible says that the, saints, that the, that the angels will come and protect you. And, the, and Jesus knew the Bible better than the devil and said, yeah, but it's also written, don't put your, the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil came and said, look at all these kingdoms. For, avoid the cross. I'll give you all the kingdoms. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. It is written, Jesus said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the Bible says in that moment, the devil left him. The devil can only take so much of you quoting back the scriptures. You want power in your life? Have it up in here so that when the temptation comes, you can speak it out. The devil, the devil has no problem with philosophies of men. No problem with educational centers of men. The devil has a serious problem with the truth of God's word. Because he knows what this word says about him, it was what this word says about you, and most importantly, what this word says about yours and his future. And yours is bright and his is dark. That's why I always love to say, whenever the devil reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Hallelujah. Point number two, God's word sets me apart. God's word sets me apart. I love this one. It sets you apart with truth. Verse six of Genesis chapter one, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water. So the world, the earth, was surrounded by waters, and God says, now let's separate the waters. And he separates the heavenly waters from the earthly waters. 
God's word, listen, God's word separates. And then he uh, made the expanse and separated the waters under the heavens from the, the ones that are above the expanse, and it was so. Now, if you look at the narrative of Genesis chapter one, the rest of the, the, rest of the chapter, you will see this uh, throughout the whole chapter. It says that God separates on the first three days, he creates space, and on the second three days, he, he fills the space. This is a beautiful harmony of Genesis chapter one. God creates the earth and the heavens in six days. Well, he doesn't do that. He creates order and structure to the heavens and the earth in six days. And so the first day, light and darkness, but then he separates them. And then, then the waters below and the waters above, and he separates, he creates space. And then in day three, he separates the waters on the earth from the land. This is important. You've got to realize how scripture speaks. Because right on the first page, God is showing you, this is how I operate. So I speak and things happen. I speak and I separate. I speak and I separate bad or darkness from light, land from sea, and disorder from order. And so then day four, he fills the sky with the birds. On day five, he fills the seas with fish. And on day six, he fills the land with beasts and man. Are you hearing what's happening here? God separates first. This is what God's word does to you as a follower of Jesus. It separates you. It creates a division in your heart between the world and the world to come. You are no longer at home once you come to Christ. Uh, this earth is not your home. You are not gonna be comfortable here. You're not gonna be liked here. You're not gonna be celebrated here. You're gonna feel strange to this world. Anybody feel a little bit more strange every day? That's a good thing. Jesus said in John 17, when he was praying for the church, he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So here's the word sanctify, meaning make holy. Holy is not about moral performance. Holy is about being set apart for special purposes. Just like God separated the land to, to have animals and he separated the space to have birds, so God separates you from the world to fill you with his goodness. You're sanctified by the word. The word tells you, this, of course this is what non-believers do, but this is what you do because you're a believer in Jesus. Christian, this is a good moment to do a self-inventory, a check on your life. If you're living just like your pagan neighbor, something's wrong. If you're cohabitating as a young man and young woman and you're not getting married and you're waiting and praying about it and shacking up and fornicating, you are not sanctified. You need to let God's word sanctify you. There, this might bring some discomfort to you right now. I don't care. Sometimes the cut is necessary to do the operation deep within, in the spirit. Since I got your attention, let's talk about money. If you don't give God the first tenth, why not? Why are you doing money the same way pagans do money? Do you trust in money or you trust, do you trust in God? Jesus, God's word says, test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates and pour out a blessing in your life. 
bring me, bring to God the first and, and watch him bless the rest. If you're doing money the way that your pagan neighbor's doing money, you're doing it wrong. First Peter chapter two, verse 13 says that you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable, though through the living and abiding word of God. You're different than the world. And that's not something to be ashamed of. That's something to be proud of. Anybody ever realize that the more people in the world try to brag about being different and unique, the more they're all the same? I always get a kick out of it. I know nobody watches this. I know you don't watch this, but I always get a kick out of MTV Video Music Awards. I always get a kick out of it because there's always somebody who's gonna get up there and do some sexualized, weird, gross dance to a song they wrote. And they're gonna think they're doing something new. That's been the same old shtick since Madonna got up there on the, in the wedding dress and sang like a virgin. It's nothing new. It's just a repackaged form of the same old garbage. That's all the devil can do. He's got no creativity, but God can take you to higher places. God can put your feet on higher ground. God can separate you from the people who are lowly and give you a mind that is heavenly. Point number three, God's word fills my life with truth. So he separates and he fills. He separates and then he fills, and that's what the creator order says. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the heavens and in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be signs for seasons and days. And it goes on. And in verse 20, he says, let the seas be filled with animals. And in verse 24, let the, let the land be filled with animals. I'm sorry, seas be filled with fish and the land be filled with animals. So again, days four to six, God filling. What are you filling your life with? What are you putting in? I always love when Paul prays for the church. If we got all kinds of prayers from the Apostle Paul for the churches that he started, never once does Paul pray that they will feel better. <laughs> he always prays that they will know better. We pray for our feelings. God wants us to pray for our knowledge. Do we know? What's true? Look with me. This is a long passage, but look with me at Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow on my knees before the Father from whom every family on heaven and earth is named, that according, this is what I'm praying for, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend knowledge that you might have strength to know in your mind with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How do you pray for something that surpasses? How do you pray to know something that surpasses knowledge? It's a supernatural work wherein God expands your brain to receive truth, to know that nothing in all creation can separate you, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You don't wanna pray over your feelings, you wanna pray over your mind. Father, I pray that I might know that you love me today. And morning prayers are so important. You wake up, you say, Lord, I know I'm gonna mess up this week. I know I'm gonna mess up today. I pray, God, that on the back end of my mess ups, I know that you still love me. I pray that I know that you're never gonna give up on me. I pray that, you, that I know that you have called me according to your word. Okay, point number four. God's word affirms my value and worth. God's word affirms my value and worth. 
one of the, one of the repeated phrases of Genesis chapter 1 is not just that God said and there was, but this refrain in verse 4, the first time he says it, and God saw that the light was what? Good. How do you get it from tuhu-wa-boo-hoo to good? God's word. God's word makes you good. And I love that because <laughs> the gospel is right here in the fourth verse of the Bible. What made light good? Did the light perform something, do something? Did the light love its neighbor? Did the light give money away? Did the light, you know, stop drinking? No, it was declared. Are you hearing this? Good by God's word. God spoke. I'm telling you that light is good. And it was good because God said it was good. This is definitely how God operates in your life. You aren't good because God because you say you're good. You aren't good because you do less bad than your neighbor. You aren't good because you've reformed a couple of your actions. You're good when God declares that you are good. Now the scripture says in John chapter one, the lifting totally off of the page of Genesis chapter one, John says in the beginning was the word. The word is logos. That's the cosmic order of things. According to the Greek language, the cosmic order behind all that we see, they called it the logos. And John says, I wanna talk to you about what you think brings order to the universe, that logos thing. In the beginning, that logos was with God and that logos was God. And in verse 14, he says, and that logos became flesh. He put on skin and bones and blood, and we dwelt, and he dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that son died for you, and that son suffered for you, and that son was buried for you, so that if you place your faith in that son, God says, you are now my son, you are now my daughter, and we are good before God, because God has declared it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so excited today about the gospel. It's not my goodness. It's not your goodness. It's the word of God that says no condemnation, no sin shall hold he hold against you. Nothing you did in your past defines you. What God says about you defines you now and every day of your life. Hallelujah. Does anybody get excited about the gospel like I do? Oh, I'm so happy about that. Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified. That word means that you are now pronounced free and clear of any guilt and condemnation, just as justified in his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Last thing I want you to write down is the definition of that word so that you get here and you leave with this in your heart. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. And that's how God sees you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one he sent to die for you. That's who you are. That's who you are. Now, if you're not in Christ Jesus, 
you're loaded up with guilt. You got the backpack on. You're running through, walking through life, guilt and shame and fear and regret. And you need power to cast that backpack off of your back. And the answer to that power, the, the way that power comes into your life is by saying, Jesus, take it all. And he does. He bore our sins on the tree that we would no longer live for ourselves, but live for God. That's the promise he makes. That's the offer he gives. Will you accept it? Would you stand with me at all of our locations? Bow your heads across every location. If you would, for a moment, close your eyes. Please don't look around for a second. Just out of respect for your neighbor, I want to give an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Anybody in this place, you're weighed down. You don't know Christ. You don't know peace in your heart. You don't know that he's Lord. You can know today. In that great first chapter of John, he says, to all who received him, to all who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Receive and believe. That's it. So today I want to give you an opportunity to receive and believe on Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, to declare you good. And if that's you, would you say a prayer after me? The prayer doesn't save you, but it gives you words to confess, because Scripture says, by our mouths we confess, and with our hearts we believe. And so we are saved. So if that's you today, at all of our locations, you know you need Christ. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, and just today the Lord spoke to you. You know you need Christ. It's okay. I want to give you a chance to say yes to Him right where you are with your head bowed and eyes closed. You can say it softly, but say it, say it with your mouth and with your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, today I repent of my sins and I turn my life over to you. I ask you to forgive me and make me your son or daughter. Make me your child. Today I declare that Jesus is Lord. In Jesus' name.